You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economics and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast is not investment research and nor does it purport to make any recommendations. Rather, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be relied upon for any investment purposes. You are advised to read the full Global Economics and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at www.combankresearch.com.au. Hello there. My name is Dennis Vosnesensky, Associate Director of Agri and Sustainability at CBA. I'm officially based in Sydney, Australia, but you can frequently find me on the road in rural Australia. Well, welcome to the Agri Weekly Podcast. This is going to be released every Tuesday where we take what is happening in global grains, oil seeds and bolsters markets and translate that to what it means for us here in Australia. Today, it's all about the 2024 outlook. We just released the report. It's called Beyond the Storm, Navigating the Calm and Anticipating New Risks. In the report that we published on the 16th of June, 2024, we cover the market outlook and also why we could be wrong. For the sake of time, in this podcast, we're only going to cover our central view, one view where we assume nothing too left field happens. For those that are CBA clients, you can log into the combankresearch.com.au portal to get the full report. Link is also in the description below. My colleague, Joe Caperso, Head of International and Sustainable Economics, is also joining me here. How's it going, Joe? All good, thanks, uh, Dennis. And I just want to welcome you to the uh, Combank uh, Research team. It's really good to have you on board. Just been uh, experiencing some some uh, rainy weather here in Sydney. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's it's been rainy for quite a while here. Um, I've got a few pairs of uh, wet shoes. I'm waiting to dry at home. Um, but you know what? It's uh, it hasn't just been raining here in the city. It's it's been raining all over the country, especially on the east coast and in South Australia. There's been some pretty significant falls. Uh, if you look at anywhere from Moree to Albury down south, uh, and then you move further into Victoria, uh, there's been some pretty significant rains around the country. So would these uh, rains across the country have much impact on uh, agri-commodity markets this year? Well, yeah, for for agriculture, it tends to always have an impact. So, for example, when we go into drier weather, let's take the example of wheat, our wheat starts trading at a premium to global levels. And the point of that is to keep more wheat on the domestic market. So when you have a drier year, you produce less, and as a result those local consumers, whether you're a flour mill or a feed miller, you want to keep more grain on the local market and you bid up the, the price of uh, of wheat above global levels. So you avoid it going to the export markets. Uh, that's what started to happen last year. And we started to start trading at a, quite a significant premium. For example, APW1 wheat started trading at a significant premium to global levels. Uh, but as we've seen rains come back towards the back end of 2023 and now into early 2024, that premium has started to deteriorate. Uh, it's not gone negative, but it's gotten a lot lower, basically meaning that the market's getting a bit more confident in the fact that we'll probably have a better production year uh, this year. And usually when that happens, when we fall in line with those global levels, whatever happens overseas starts impacting us a lot more significantly in Australia. Okay. Uh well, since we'll be following the, the world um, quite closely, um, do we have a view on where we see global uh, commodity markets heading this well, year? If we, if we, again, focus on the grains markets and the likes of wheat and barley, uh, after a number of what has been incredibly volatile uh, number of years and unpredictable years, first we had COVID, then we had the war in Ukraine start, um, after those years, uh, we're now starting to see what seems at this point is to be a calmer period. Yeah, calmer in the sense that we're seeing a bit more availability of whether it's wheat or barley or corn. Um, and in addition to possibly improved production, we're also starting to see demand suffer a little bit. What are the reasons for that demand suffering? Well, 
partially inflation, partially higher interest rates, and it's all coming together to really bite into household budgets. Now, in terms of what we've seen in markets, well, you look at Russia and Ukraine, Russia's been exporting record volumes following two record crops. And if we move into mid-year this year, they may have another, maybe not record crop, but it's up there. If you look at Ukraine, they're utilizing their new grain corridor and still producing a lot despite the war. Uh, they had an previously uh, up to around, I believe it was August last year, they had a grain corridor signed with Russia where they were allowed to export uh, their goods through the deep sea ocean ports, which accounted for a large proportion of their exports historically. They were allowed to do that. Russia said they wouldn't fire any missiles at them. Uh, that deal fell apart. And for a while, Ukrainian exports dropped. Now, Ukraine's gone, uh, made its own corridor where it basically hugs the coast of some Black Sea countries uh, in terms of its vessel movements and is exporting a significant amount again. If you look at Argentina, there's two factors that are likely going to increase wheat production this year. You have a new president that's a lot more pro-agri and the agri sector looks a little bit more confident this year. And secondly, the weather was very dry last year. It's looking a lot better. And if you look at Australia, well, we started off talking about the weather. It's looking significantly better at this point. Anything can change. Still a little while until April. Crops not even in the ground yet, but it is looking a fair bit better. It's been an amazing turnaround, actually. It felt like it was only uh, three or four months ago that uh, we were talking about the possibility of El Nino and drought on the East Coast, but now there's a lot of rain. Yeah, so if you look at uh, New South Wales, improved substantially. You look at Victoria, there's areas that are flooded. Parts of New South Wales probably flooded as well. South Australia was looking dry, also better. The one concern is Western Australia. Uh, in a few places, it has gone better in very in very recent times, so over the last couple of weeks. But if you go into the Geraldton zone, so you go north of Perth a fair bit, you get to the Geraldton cropping zone, and there it's still very dry, and farmers there would be still very concerned uh, about the outlook. So what about on demand? On demand, well, like I mentioned before, we're starting to struggle in terms of seeing demand grow. In reality, it's probably going to stagnate. In some places, I'm hearing reports of already declining demand or projections of declining demand. If you look at, for example, uh, Asia, there's countries already which are seeing livestock margins substantially reduce or go negative, uh, partially because the price that consumers are willing to pay just isn't high enough. Uh, and it's causing those margins to shrink while costs don't necessarily come down as quickly. What about in Europe? In Europe also I'm hearing talk of not only struggle, struggles on the feed demand side, um, again, livestock ha is having the same issues, having uh, challenges around keep, those livestock producers are having challenges around keeping margins high. You also have to add to the fact, this is separate to Asia, it's mostly focused on Europe, that they have a significant amount of sustainability policies that are also eating into their costs, or not eating into their costs, eating into their profit margin at the moment. Uh, but apart from feed demand in Europe, I'm also hearing reports of stagnant to slightly declining demand just for in terms of human consumption, especially in the areas which require high protein, uh, high protein wheat. Okay, so uh, Dennis, what does what does all of that mean for wheat and barley prices? Well, look, I think as we move through the year, uh, first of all, we're likely to see our wheat and barley prices drop lower towards those global levels. And then, like we mentioned previously, move closer with those levels, uh, global levels as we move through the year. The one thing I'd mention, because we're talking a lot about there's these negative factors, there's more, more production, there's less demand. We're talking about the negative factors that isn't limiting upside in pricing. But what's also important to talk about is what could happen on the downside uh, to pricing moving forward. Well, there's two things that are kind of... Uh, there are two factors that are actually 
uh, limiting how much downside we see. One, as prices come lower, they're starting to come towards, in some regions, the cost of production, and that makes farmers hesitant sellers. On the other hand, we have several categories of buyers who are putting a floor in the market. So, for example, large governments or just large buyers acting on behalf of governments who want to maybe reduce local food prices in their country, maybe they want to increase stocks for national security reasons, or just following two years of incredibly volatile uh, and high prices, they just want to restock. Okay. And so what about canola? Is the trajectory the same? Not exactly the same. So the story for canola is more positive, but it might require a little bit of time, uh, a little bit of waiting uh, for later in the year. So uh, right now, the market is waiting for a record soy harvest to come in from South America. Uh, It'll be in full swing around our planting window here in Australia. Then if we move to mid-year, Europe and Ukraine will be harvesting canola, and then that's going to be followed by Canadian harvest of canola and also U.S. soy harvest. But the interesting thing is that as we move towards year-end around our harvest, the world may actually be looking more constrained for canola, and this is the reason. So on the production front, lower prices and unfavorable planting conditions for Europe, uh, they reduced. They ended up reducing area uh, in continental Europe below market expectations. Now, due to weather and war uh, factors, Ukraine's planted also below expectations. We're expecting a rise there, which didn't really happen. And then Canada is looking very dry to start the year. So by year end, we may actually see less production than the market's expecting or has been expecting up to this point. And on the demand side, uh, we're actually seeing Canada increase how much crush capacity they have to crush canola into oil and meal. And the oil would typically go towards the biofuel sector uh, in the US. So that growth in the United States is growing uh, is going up significantly for biofuels and it needs inputs for those biofuels. And one of those inputs is canola. So the, the, the end of the story with, with that is that the more canola is needed on the domestic North American market, the less of it can go into international markets and compete with us here in Australia. So if we look at the very foreseeable future in the coming months, it's not as positive for canola, but as we move towards year end in early 2025, we have the world chewing through maybe less production than we initially thought, less in Canada, less in Ukraine, uh, less in Europe. And at the same time, we're starting to see rising demand for canola in that Canadian uh, crush sector to fulfill biofuel demand in, uh, in the US. That's great. And lastly, on uh, pulses, what, is, what does it look like for chickpeas and lentils? I'll go into it briefly, and uh, listeners can go and read our report, which is significantly larger, but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll limit it here. Overall, I would say that in the first quarter of the year, the outlook is, is favourable, uh, followed likely by an easing afterwards. Uh, India is importing pulses at the moment in quite significant volumes to tame local food price inflation, and they have elections coming up uh, early this year so they have the government has an incentive to ensure low consumer prices continue uh, there's also ramadan coming up in march and hence some demand is expected to lead up towards that uh, from countries like pakistan uh, a big factor to watch is india they are reported to have considerably reduced planting uh, towards the back end of 2023 and production is likely going to be down uh, this year when we come towards march april uh, and and we have that harvest p- uh, period We also saw a reduced lentil crop coming out of Canada at the end of 2023. Uh, And I think it's really important to watch what ends up happening with that Indian harvest around March, April. How much lower is that production going to be? Because it's going to determine what type of import volumes for pulses more broadly 
uh, they're going to require. But again, to avoid going into too uh, too much detail, uh, I think this might be a good time, Joe, to start wrapping up. Yeah, I, I, it's been really great to talk to you uh, today, uh, Dennis. Certainly a lot there to uh, digest. And uh, I, look, I encourage clients uh, to download uh, Dennis's reports from our, our website, uh, comebankresearch.com.au and uh, in that more detailed report you can see all the factors uh, that present risks upside and downside risks uh, to his baseline forecast that we've uh, we've just discussed also uh, encourage you to follow uh, Dennis's podcast uh, every uh, Tuesday from now on Dennis is there anything you'd like to uh, add Oh, look, two things. I just wanted to emphasize that in the report itself, there's a lot of detail. We go through wheat, barley, canola, pulses, uh, a bunch of charts in there. We have forecast price tables. We have supply and demand tables for all the major producing and consumer consuming countries, pardon me, for all those same crops for the 2024-25 marketing year. So it's not many places you can get those that early in the year, but be sure to check those out. And yes, on social media, whether it's on X or LinkedIn, feel free to give us a search and follow us for more frequent updates. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Joe.